Hello, and welcome to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Dr. Rob Cook, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Hi, I'm Rob. He likes to think of himself as just Rob, but I think of him as Dr. Rob Cook, ladies and gentlemen, 174 pounds. He has a PhD. He has many letters behind his name. Who cares? I think that you've been abusing your power. (laughs) Really? Yeah, because today he didn't show up for group supervision. He, like, calls and says, hey, I've got a project. So he used his power to, you know, manipulate me to have to steer the ship. You know, I'm kind of chapped about that. I thought I could use this episode on the abuse of power (laughs) to process the pain. Like one day it was bad. Tried 27 years. All right, there we go. That's qualifiable. Ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard, we have two guests who have returned from episode 19. Maya this is Cook, a setup. Maya Cook and Ryan Murphy. Um, so good that you have tuned in uh, to listen to part three of The Abuse of Power. And we are here to have a good time. We are. And to have yeah. a conversation, to continue this conversation on The Abuse of Power. Um, if you're new for some reason to Mindful Conversations, welcome. You may be number 31 or 32. Um, <laughs> and we appreciate. There will be door prizes. I do want to be that mature. I, mean, I do want to be that mature podcast that says, okay, if you could hit the subscribe button and the thumbs mm-hmm. up button Call and in. the like button, you know, c- keep doing that. So somehow we can earn money doing this. <laughs> right? Well, that'll be the next subject to your podcast. <laughs> Me. Greed. What? You're the center of. World <laughs> domination. <laughs> it is fine. Hey, if you can't laugh, and we're here on a beautiful, sunny Sunday afternoon. Yes. 60, 65 degrees. But these gentlemen have come. They've sacrificed their free time to be here. Appreciate Which we appreciate. That. Very, very, very much. Uh, we don't want to abuse your time. So we will get right into it. So, So what are we talking about today? Uh, we're talking about, a, well, episode 18 and 19, the first two parts of this series on the abuse of power. Uh, last time, Ryan, again, you did a great job just sharing your story about what you've been through. Um, and I think we're going to pick that up a little bit because if you've listened to 18 and 19 and you are, you're connecting with the abuse of power, which can happen in multiple categories, you were referring to your story on the abuse of spiritual authority. Um, I think there have been many other types of abuses I've referenced in previous episodes, my own abuse of my power as a parent with my two kids, um, as a husband, uh, my misuse of my authority, not that I was intentional, um, but I've awoken, I have awareness, I want to be different and I continue that campaign. I want to be a better person. And so I do have a story of my own abuse and as the abuser, the misuser, but also I've been part of systems that haven't gone well, you know, regarding the abuse of power over me. And so today we're going to focus on how to heal from that. I think that's a great segue of the process uh, leading toward healing. I love the word emancipation. Yeah. Um, I like the concept of freedom, um, getting your life back. Right. I think one of the main points that we've brought up is that anytime a system is abusing you and they're using you to accomplish a corporate mission and the people aren't the focus of the mission, that's ripe for abuse. Mm -hmm. 
And so, yeah, I think there, we want to talk today about what does it look like to be on a journey of emancipation, freedom, and healing when you have noted um, there's been abuse and you desire something different for your life. Maybe people who are listening have just awoken to this concept. They're now evaluating what that looks like for them. Or maybe it happened historically and they realize they've been stuck in a kind of at what we would term a developmental rut, you know, haven't grown past that. And now there's a new opportunity for growth, which I sense from Ryan from last week is the growth that you experienced from your own journey. Mm-hmm. So could we maybe touch base at that point with you and talk about your healing journey and the steps that you took to get to where you are today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> So in the context, again, like you said, of spiritual abuse and uh, um, I guess it all really didn't start to make sense until we left the church. Sorry, I got a tickle. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Um, But once we left the church and decided that 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 was really no longer a place for us, um, then the journey began to understand know, to understand. And, um, I found on my own resources, uh, I brought the book with me today <laughs> to reference it for those that might need a resource, but I started to journey into that reflective phase of growth and really understand just how do I language the reality? How do I make sense, you know, of what has taken pl- place? And, um, so that started to happen. Uh, <laughs> I signed up for counseling. I went and I just found a wonderful person to hold space for me. And it was just a really great connection. And I began to work through what all that meant. Mm-hmm. Slowly, one step at a time. But while I was in the system, I couldn't talk about it. And there was in the resource I was referring to, the book, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse, uh, really helped me understand and situate what was going on, the subtle manipulation, the use of the Bible, the use of God, and um, and how that becomes so difficult to talk about when you're in the context of that system. So I began to unravel that and take it apart. And when I could voice my own truth to it, and I could say it, <laughs> I mean, just in the room with another human being who was neutral and had no vested interest in the system, wasn't part of that system, I then began to get really free because I understood then what had happened. It mattered. It was wrong, but now I can move forward because I language that and someone held space for me and they saw it too and provided affirmation. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. something like that is definitely not right. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was easier for you to begin to heal once you were out of the system and um, provide language to what you experienced and then have a person kind of hold that space so that you could process what you witnessed, what you experienced, and how it affected you. Exactly. Okay. That's a powerful, that's a powerful concept. You know, I have a friend who talks about we're broken in relationships, we're healed in relationship, and sometimes moving out of a system that's abusive 
is required. Sometimes you can't, and there are things people can do to mitigate, but the reality is, you said it at the end of the last um, podcast, no one, no one, regardless of their position of authority, has the right to abuse. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost like sometimes this thing is so subtle, you don't know that it's happening while you're in it. And that distance is important for perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to, to go back and to reference the step that, Ryan, you were able to begin finding the language to be able to articulate your story. Yeah. So maybe with Rob, you know, as well, therapeutically, we, we refer to that as um, like a narrative therapeutic approach mm -hmm. to be able to help an individual with finding the language to start telling their story. Why, why is that important, Rob, in regard to the words that are framing up the story for an individual who's in the healing process? That's a good question. It, if you don't have language, it's, hard, it's impossible to put into terms what you're experiencing or feeling. And so in Ryan's story, as, he, as his vocabulary developed, as the assessment became more accurate, as he was able to get some distance and look at it from different vantage points, that language becomes important because as soon as he can language it, I, as a, as a, he mentioned the, the counselor, the therapist that helped him, there's another person in the room who provides that safe space. I'm providing the language, the, the narrative to what happened to me. And that brings clarity and definition or definition and clarity. And that's important for understanding because yeah. without language, you just have this abstract experience, but you can't really analyze it. If that makes sense. Well, is it okay to say that the abuse of power, Ryan, for you was also traumatic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that's important to point out. Yeah. Um, you know, this is all kind of on a scale, mm -hmm. you know, and some is minor manipulation, right? So we experience minor manipulation. Um, in the spiritual context, however, you're dealing with core beliefs. You're dealing with eg existential identity, where I go and I die. Like there's a lot of power in those that have authority mm -hmm. to be able to prescribe that. Yes. To the followers, if you will. And so the system is set up so that the followers follow the leader. And if that leader isn't a true spiritual authority, and if they're unwell in any way, then that, that you know, they, they transfer that into those who are following that well, message. The abuse is traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so, Rob, now when we identify, you know, clinically, okay, there's now trauma-informed perspective in helping to understand the confusion that would be part of, in this case, the spiritual manipulation, existentially not understanding, you know, the spiritual authority threatened that I would, I think you said, I would lose my place in heaven. You're walking away from the system. You're now kind of reeling mm -hmm. with your own mindset. Is that true? Am I, mm -hmm. have I lost my place in heaven or my relationship with God, et cetera? What's happening with the brain in regard to that traumatic event? So the brain doesn't make good distinctions, emotionally speaking. And so when the brain experiences trauma, 
it, it's usually like in this case, a subtle or uh, questioning. It, 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 there's a struggle with, like you mentioned, salvation. Did I lose my salvation? Um, with abusive power, I was thinking about it in Ryan's story. He didn't mention it, but a lot of times you'll see the one in power manipulate the one under authority to leverage their resources for personal gain, yeah. right? And so there's this, the brain is wrestling with trying to figure out, and there's an instinct. There's an instinct where um, you kind of know something is wrong, but because it's someone that you trust, which makes the abuse of power, even to Ryan's point, more uh, substantial or deep, the brain then struggles with that. The body responds to it and forms a stress. And now, now you're kind of always on alert. And you may or may not be aware. You know, you kind of have this like voice or instinct that something may not, that something is amiss. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but. No, perfectly. And kind of coming back to Ryan, in those early days of that emancipation, the departure from the system, and the idea of the trauma that had happened and maybe the confusion or whatever you would describe you were experiencing, how did you find space for the healing process? Mm -hmm. What was it that you initially found as key alongside that counselor that you spoke of? Mm -hmm. Were there other ways that you found grounding, skills to mm -hmm. ground yourself or to continue the process of managing this abuse, the result? of the abuse. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I immediately went into a discipline of, of contemplation. And so that was my looking back. It's so wonderful because it was my transformational process. Mm. It's what I needed to go down and in within myself and, um, you know, find my own soul, my own source of authority and that inner authority, like we were talking about a couple episodes ago, but that was happening. I was reflecting and, um, Something, like you said, Rob, it, the source within me, the intuition was saying, this is wrong, okay? And I was the only one that could say that. And so I felt wrong because I was the only one saying that it was wrong. But the more that I was in alignment with that intuition, the stronger I became. So that, that points out to your question, the brain has two primary responsibilities. One is to protect and the second is to connect. And when Ryan started sensing something was wrong, he had he 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 might have been the lone voice in that system, but as soon as he had the strength to start questioning, and that's when the abuse of authority you see act, elevates because they clamp down on that kind of you don't have a right to question me. Yes, right. Yes. You don't have a right to do anything mm -hmm. but you could see that inner voice that the brain was alerting his brain was alerting him to something is amiss in this system mm -hmm. and fortunately he listened right. to it yeah. so many of us do not listen to it and it goes on year after year after year and and the one who's abusing power keeps it because no there is no profit. There is no one who's pushing back. So let's pause for a moment. Listener, pay attention to what Rob just said. Maybe it's 
been a long time since the abuse, maybe you're still in the abuse, and you haven't had the ability to acknowledge, and maybe in this, you're listening to this information that we're providing, and something on the inside of you is resonating, and you're, again, touching base with what is actually true. Mm -hmm. The abuse was or is wrong, Uh right? And, and so now you're, we want to validate that. Yeah. Like you may not currently have access to a counselor, but you're listening to this episode. And if the material that we're sharing, if it's resonating with you, we want you to know we've been there. Mm-hmm. You are most likely not wrong in your assessment. You have the right and the permission to protect your heart. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a, it's a fragile system to advocate for self. It, yes, right? fragile, and it can be risky. And it can be risky. So we acknowledge that as you're listening. So, Maya, I keep looking at you because you, you have so much to offer this conversation. Mm. And so <laughs> not putting you on the spot, but can you think of – you know, an event that's happened in your life that you recognized it was abuse and you, you began a healing process or you understood the steps that you needed to take in order to recover from abuse. Um, can you think of one? Uh, do you have one? I do. And I almost said something to you before the podcast without names um, or naming anything. Remember the situation where uh, uh, you witnessed a false accusation and we were ushered out the front door? Remember that? Yeah. That was abusive power that you directly experienced as, as... yeah, that healing process took a long time. Yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, that happened so, when I was six. Okay, oh. a little context. No, you were older. A little context. Too. Okay, yeah, six, seven, eight years old. Yeah. Um, in a situation where you're experiencing the abuse of what? Your your, so your parents? It was, yeah, it was an abuse of power on, fr- from the senior pastor who requested documents that weren't none of his business. Mm-hmm. And when he didn't get his way, you know, as a kid, I you, you see it as a temper tantrum. And yeah. so he threw a temper tantrum and you, like it was, it was weird to see an experience because for the longest time I felt like we all got thrown out, like as a family, as friends. Because mm-hmm. um, there are a number of us there. And for someone to make a 10-year-old hold a grudge for many, I, honestly, I, I held a grudge against that person for a lot of years. That you being the one who was holding the grudge. Yes. Yeah. And it wasn't even really directed at me. It was directed at my dad. Yeah. Oh, um, so the grudge was being held against you. No, I was holding the grudge against that senior pastor. Got it. And it for a lot of years, I really didn't know why. Like it was just the, you know, my brain wasn't developed. You know, someone mm-hmm. made me angry, whatever. Um, and it wasn't until I got, you know, much older where I was like, why, why are you holding on to this? 
Wow. It was kind of a self-conversation one day. I, I don't really know where I had it. Um, but usually when anger brings on stress, stress is a killer. Why hold on to something that's going to make you stressed that, one, didn't happen to you directly. Yeah. Two, it's over and done. It's the past. Can't change it. And so I, you know, I really don't know what age. I was probably in my twenties, maybe, maybe sooner than that, maybe in my teens. Mm-hmm. But a, I, a good fair amount of time. Oh yeah, totally. Like you might have spent somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to ten years. Oh yeah. In that grudge, and boy, you said something powerful just a moment ago. Stress equals death. Death. Oh yeah, stress. That's a. Like this unreconciled issue on the inside of a child and then now grown into a teenager, early 20s, like this still, this secondary trauma mm-hmm. on one hand, watching the abuse, but experiencing it from a family system perspective, it impacted you. You were carrying, you were a vessel for that man's abuse mm-hmm. and didn't know how necessarily to process that, it sounds like. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it's it, and it's nothing, you know, I didn't really speak of it, mm-hmm. even to my parents. I probably should have. I would have gotten over it a lot quicker. Yeah, once again, finding some way to language this. That's a, but mm. not knowing how to do that. Yeah. Well, and, and the abuse of power, uh, this was a question I was going to ask you too, Ryan. It's like it, it, the abuse of power was targeted towards me. But it affected the family because it, when we took that stand, it cost us friends, it cost us reputation, it cost, they went after a lot of different things, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you know, but as um, the kids, both of my kids got caught up into that, that situation. And so there was a direct impact on the the toxicity, the abuse of power, the trauma that was caused as they witnessed things, as they heard mm-hmm. things that were simply not correct or true. And, um, but to take that stand was very costly mm-hmm. on a number of different levels. And, you know, and then I, that was what I was going to ask you because I was thinking of your wife you guys were in that uh-huh. spiritual dimension or that uh, system together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it creates a, a wedge or a tension mm-hmm. if they don't discover the abuse or put language to it yeah. simultaneously or close by each other. Is that what happened? Oh, with in such great intensity. And I think this speaks to your question, you know, how, what is the gravity of the experience I had? It, <laughs> You know, my wife didn't see it the way I saw it because she said, you know, Ryan, no one else sees this. Yeah. How can one person be right and everybody else be wrong? And I, I couldn't answer that. But over time, it eroded our relationship. Yeah. Almost fully, actually. And yeah. at the very end, she had a moment where she witnessed for herself and thought, I see it. And mm-hmm. her eyes opened. Mm-hmm. And, and then she was immediately convinced that we had to do something about it and so i in a sense i waited for her to see what was going on but um yes yeah we lost all of our friends we lost yeah yeah Yeah, that's what that's what i was thinking about too there it it 
it drives this wedge between people like husband and wife or father and son. Yeah. You know, everything was going on. So I didn't necessarily see or think about how Maya was experiencing that sure. abuse of power. Because my focus is over here. Because mm-hmm. y- mm-hmm. you have a frontal assault, so to speak. With, Tunnel vision. Yeah. yeah. And, war. and that war. goes to trauma, yeah, too. Because in trauma, the brain kind of focuses and yeah. slows things mm-hmm. down. But what we're talking about is really an equal opportunity destroyer. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, 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 it takes really reasonably healthy relationships and puts them at risk with infection. Mm-hmm. That's that's why this topic is so critically important that mm-hmm. if you think you're being abused, to your point, Matt, mm-hmm. it's like you need to assess that accurately. Mm-hmm. And if you have that hunch, yeah, you might want to look. And I like what you said, contemplate. Mm-hmm. You started slowing the process down. That's how I mm-hmm. interpret it anyway. Mm-hmm. And started looking in that direction. And, you know, your brain is telling you something isn't right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to that's important. Yeah. We have referenced different terms like gaslighting. Yes. Um, the idea of the manipulator, the abuser, intentionally, psychologically, and emotionally persuading you that you are the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, battered wife syndrome. You know, we, that's another term that we just yeah. throw around like a, you know, a coin. And the reality is it, there's truth in realizing in deception. Deception is believing that a lie is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. So deception now, if that's the toxicity, if that's the infection, I am confused in my mind what I should believe. And therefore, I become enmeshed in the very system that's causing the damage. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, Ryan, what you did was you and your wife were able to come out of that enmeshment at the risk of everything Mm. in order to stand for what you knew to be true. Yeah, absolutely. The gaslighting was, was probably the hardest thing to get through because, you know, I was told Ryan, you know, just the fact that you're having these feelings and this resistance inside of you proves you're the problem. Yeah. There, there is a great, example of the definition of gaslighting that's exactly right that's exactly it yep and that was the hardest thing for me to navigate because even my closest friends couldn't understand yeah uh, and and honestly it, it, it was more of a lack of courage mm-hmm. because of the threat you'll lose your your spiritual covering mm-hmm. you'll lose mm-hmm. the support of your church and and that i mean that's well, and there's motivation not to come clean or to ask questions because Ryan then becomes an example, a template, yeah, an exemplar, whatever you want to call it. I'm we're gonna we're gonna assassinate your character in front of your family and friends. I'm gonna cut you off at your knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think credibility. About it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in order to tell the rest of the people, if you do what they did, yes. the same's going to happen to you. Yes. Thank you. You articulated what I was trying to say. Sorry, well, you, I appreciate that. Yeah. If you want to make sure that it won't happen again, you attack someone's credibility and their their character. Character. If you yeah. kill their character, then yeah. yeah. So, so back to your point, Rob. Um, what was told about me when I finally made my final stand and I said, what you're doing is wrong and it's actually hurting the people around you. Um, 
he gathered his leadership team and and the board and and pretty much said, you know, Ryan has lost his mind. He physically threatened me and my life. I wouldn't put it past him if you saw him. He was carrying a weapon. Right. And my next Sunday morning, I moved into that type of a context. With yeah. People being told that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds malicious. It's insane. It's that's extremely malicious. Right. Like Maya said, he's like a like a little kid throwing a fit. That's exactly what I experienced from this senior, high high senior leader in the organization. But it's one thing if you're a little kid throwing a fit and you have an adult to help you, you know, regulate or control that. It's a whole nother aspect if someone Maya size throws a fit. Mm. <laughs> and that that's what these leaders do. They have they're large in size. Right. They have substantial influence yeah. and they gaslight. Yeah. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, it doesn't matter. The results are the same. Yeah, I, I don't think that these abusers, you know, are going to wake up in the morning and and design a plan to, to right. manipulate and to deceive. I think they themselves are deceived. Well, the system, the system infiltrates that. It, it, it produces what the it produces the behavior that they're exhibiting. Yeah, and it, and it actually protects them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and reinforces the abuse. Yeah, the to, system they don't. There's no accountability, and it actually promotes abuse. Yeah, the imbalance of power. Yeah. Yeah. Permits it. Yeah. Teaches per- it. Promotes it. Yeah. Re- get, rewards it. Yeah. Yeah. You become intoxicated with it. Mm. And there's never, no one is ever offended by their own bad breath. So my rationalization as a spiritual or any other type of abuse is I've got to protect. Yeah. I've got to, Ryan is a threat against the, the people are, and I'm charged. I'm an overseer of, and, that dangerous yeah so yeah. just pausing for a moment you know because our listeners may fully resonate with the story of the spiritual abuse that Brian is sharing but i can't not mention other types of abuse mm-hmm. that are just coming to mind um we do see a fair amount of sexual abuse yeah um what i mean by that is uh individuals that come forward sometimes after decades after the abuse and they have not been able to find resolution and they finally have the courage to use Ryan's point and they finally come. But one thing I always find is there was no adult advocacy for the injustice. Yeah. There's something powerful, powerful, powerful of an adult authoritative figure who advocates for the abused. Yes. And alongside the, the sexual abuse, you have things like marital abuse in the form of infidelity. Infidelity, domestic violence. Domestic violence. All of a sudden, in the issue of infidelity, when that abuse, you oftentimes see the abuser, typically, because it happens on both sides, but I'm just going to remark on if the husband has the affair, the gaslighting comes on hard mm-hmm. and there's never full disclosure in the beginning. And so the abuse of power, the manipulation there, making the spouse, the partner feel like they mm-hmm. are the guilty party, mm-hmm. right? 
that's happening, you know, that's another category of abuse. Yeah, it comes in the form of, I tell you, you're not seeing what you think you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, and yet, you know, mm-hmm. as the betrayed partner, you know that the that the the infidelity has happened. I mean, sometimes you even have evidence, but your reality is now so fragmented because the lie, what you thought was true, is no longer true, and so your brain, going back to survival brain, is just trying to figure out how to survive, and then you become that hyper vigilant seeking to understand what has happened, where were you, you said you were this, now I understand you were this. So then the process, and if the abusing partner doesn't come clean and fully admit and take responsibility and fund the healing process, it's going to be a long, slow battle Mm -hmm. to get to what is true. Just like alongside Ryan's story, the abuse, until that abuser admits and comes clean, it's going to be a long road that ultimately leads you to find the courage to advocate for self. Mm-hmm. The abuse, or if I heard you correctly, or like in Ryan's story, they separated. That distance was important to provide Critical. safe space. Vital. Yeah, because as long as you're in a system that's abusive, there is no such thing as safe, safe. space. No. Mm-hmm. So your system, your brain, your body is always on high alert. And Jeremiah made the point about the stress. That's toxic stress. Mm-hmm. Performance stress is good stress. That That's, you know, I catch a pass or I hit a, a baseball or a golf ball or whatever. That helps me to perform at a higher level taking a test. What we're talking about with abusive power is toxic stress. That's deadly. Mm-hmm. Wow. Again, just a, a very um, broad, and the brevity of the subject just kind of has me captivated, honestly. Yeah, me too. Because I can, I work with this in terms of my clientele, but um, this is rampant. This is systemic in, in the culture, whether it's spiritual, whether it's marital, relational. Um, Political. Professional. Or, workplace, yeah. Workplace. I mean... So let's, in the time that we have remaining, let's continue to identify steps that people can take that would, you know, foster a sense of hope. Like, I think I'm hearing us say the emancipation is getting your life back. Or how would, Ryan, how would you describe your own story? What did you, what did, what was the result of your courage in the emancipative process? Yeah. For me, it would be something along the lines of owning your own voice. Mm-hmm. Oh, let your heart guide you trust your intuition you know what's right for you you know um, find find space for your voice wherever that means mm-hmm. wherever that is with a safe person <laughs> yeah you probably can't navigate the system that you're in as Rob said and find that safe space because there's protection mechanisms around that and people have something to lose so you've yeah. got to get out of that to find someone that doesn't have something to lose or protect, and then you can you can find your voice. So some form of separation, mm-hmm. it's then the ability to be able to find your voice, your story, yeah, and begin to learn how in the early stages to develop the language to tell your story, yeah, 
with an impartial person, mm-hmm. not biased. Yeah. I would say in that process, you're educating yourself on abuse. Yeah. You know, you're educating, um, you're setting boundaries, uh, the language and the finding voice depend upon how it's defined. For me, I see that as similar or the same. Mm-hmm. It might not be for everyone. But it's like if I can if I can give language to what I'm experiencing, that's part of finding my voice. Exactly. And now I can share it or I can ask for help. Man, I can't I don't know how to articulate what I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's important, like one of the, one of the ways that I feel like um, I'm not going to pin this on Sandy, that I failed my family is we, I I didn't always think about helping my kids have that voice. We talked about what had happened. We gave them access to information and data, but because it was happening to me, I minimized the effect it had on the kids which is not helpful or healthy. So, so, but educating yourself, setting boundaries. Um, I love what Ryan said about the contemplative piece. That's noticing and trauma. That would be noticing, just notice what you're sensing and what you're feeling. And then I like the fact that um, you referenced in his story, Matt, the, the aspect of courage, what we're talking about takes courage. Yeah. It takes courage. I guess what if you're the type of person or you're in the situation where you are not able to ask for help? Like if you do and the abuser finds out that you're putting yourself in more harm. Then that's a really good question. Then you need an exit strategy. You need an exit strategy, and there are people you can go to that will not, that um, the abuser would not necessarily know, but you have to figure out an exit strategy. Um, And, you know, it might be educating yourself on, uh, you know, like in most cases, that question to me, I experience in domestic violence. So women or men, but particularly women who are being abused by men, they're, they're threatened. They're threatened. And I have had, I've had clients who've had to decide, you know, um, it's worse staying here than it is living with the threat or the fear of something because that's how they manipulate. That's how they use abuse their power. So generally speaking, there is like, I've never seen a situation where there hasn't been a way out. I've never seen that. I have seen a situation where there's a perception of no way out. Right. Yeah. But I've never seen anyone who didn't have a way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would, I, my first approach was, um, and as I guess this would be a caution because my first approach was to go to that senior pastor's overseer and I had words with them mm. and it was almost verbatim read back. I was told because you're having these feelings, because you're sensing this, the problem might be you. So sometimes seeking that help within the same system is not a good idea. So you really have to assess for that. That's a good point. I agree. No, I think what I'm hearing is if you are in the situation, you have to somehow get an outside opinion. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah. Like there's really no other way yeah. around it. You can't heal while you're being abused. Yeah. Th- this is what we would call a bias. Yeah. The reality is trying to go to another party inside the system. They're biased, mm-hmm. meaning they're partial. Yeah. And you're looking for an impartial agent um, to provide insight that can help you again identify the 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 objective abuse. That's why you don't want to go to a friend. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. Not that we don't need friends, but friends are very biased, and they want the best for you. But they could bring in their own stuff and make it even more confusing. Mm-hmm. So for me, Ryan's step of seeing a counselor that was a huge step. It sounds like mm-hmm. for you to find the validation of it was wrong. It yeah, happened. And, yeah, it mattered greatly. It, it mattered greatly. Yeah, and I can forgive that. Yeah, I mean, as Rob, you know, Rob was saying, it's until you can get to honest assessment, you know, you owe, you owe yourself that. Yeah. So you have a right, based on last week, nobody has the right mm-hmm. to harm you. Mm-hmm. The other side of that coin is I have the right to protect myself. Yes, and give and, voice. And to live the life that God has granted me mm-hmm. and and to pursue that without yeah. guilt, shame. No, you have a right to be you. Mm-hmm. And it is going to take time, mm-hmm. right? The book that Ryan recommended, uh, The Subtle Power of Spiritual Abuse, is one resource. As Rob mentioned, you want to be educated, you want to look for material that can help you read into the situation that you're in. But David Johnson is the author of that book. I'm sure you can go on Amazon and get that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, educating, finding good people resources in the form of a counselor, somebody outside the system that you believe can be impartial and safe and begin the process of exercising your courage. And it's that objective uh, source that can help you develop a smart exit strategy mm-hmm. because I didn't think about going where Ryan did, but thank God he thought about it because usually it's never a good idea to try and fix the system from within the system exactly because the system <laughs> is trying to maintain status quo. Yes. If someone in the system is abusing the power, the whole system is sick. So don't miss what Rob just said. Don't be tricked into believing that you can change the system. Mm. Yeah, no. Right. So let's do this. Um, we need to come to an end. It's it's 45 minutes. Okay. We get there quickly. So Ryan, what I, if, if you're okay sharing, this whole process has been approximately 10 years. Is that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're at 10 years into this process, and you've made comment that this, you would, I think first episode, you said, I wouldn't change anything. Right. You have developed into a person. You've gained your life back. And now you are pursuing um, the discipline of deep coaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can maybe you share a little bit about how this journey has led you to that point? I mean, it's like it's produced something beautiful. Mm. So maybe just speak to the deep coaching. Oh, well, yeah. I, that the, the story of the spiritual abuse has so much to do with, you know, how I'm aligning my life with the work that I do. And yeah, I'm currently obtaining a certification as a deep coach and uh, it's transformational coaching. And uh, it, it provides the very thing I wish I had. Mm. 
looking back, it's almost as if I want to become the kind of person who would have been there for me if I had a person like that. That's beautiful. That is. That's beautiful. And so holding space for other stories um, is is something that's needed in identifying these forms of abuse and validating them and um, encouraging the hearts of others is definitely the work that I want to align my life with. So, Yeah. Well, I know that you will continue to impact many, many lives. <laughs> Thanks. And um, um, I know that our listeners would love a resource like that mm. um, one day, perhaps. But you can, if you're listening, and, and this, again, series has elevated you to want to take a step, you can, of course, reach out to the responsecarecenter.com. Um, you can make a phone call to our agency, and we'd be happy to have a conversation with you. Um. Any other thoughts from Maya, Rob, as we conclude this series on the abuse of power? I just want to say thank you to the two of you. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate the aspects of your story and um, we'll be contemplating the conversation much beyond this podcast. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think I got one last thing mm-hmm. that is the power of forgiveness that I would be able to be like a freeing key Mm -hmm. for the abuse. Mm -hmm. It's a hard pill to swallow sometimes forgiving someone that hurt you. Mm. That's the end game, but you're not going to be healed until you are able to genuinely forgive them Mm -hmm. for their misdeeds. I've often heard that forgiveness is really freeing yourself Mm -hmm. in this case from the abuse or the abuser. You're not doing anything for them. No, you're doing everything for you. Mm-hmm. You have a right to be free. Mm-hmm. Is that roughly? Yeah. What? Yeah, you have the right to be free, but I think you have to be mature enough to realize that holding on to the grudge and that that person's not thinking about you after you left. Yeah. So, so why key. continue it? So key. Forgive them. Do your best to forget, but not forget to a point where you wouldn't recognize it again. Mm-hmm. My goodness, Dr. Rob, we have two emancipated souls at the table. I think so. Excellent. <laughs> it's been fun. It's been a blast. We always appreciate these deep conversations. They stir the soul, they inspire the mind, and they give us hope that we can do something with this life. You guys are awesome. Thanks for joining us. Those of you who have tuned in to listen, We hope that your day is blessed wherever that may lead you. Blessings.